WBNE. Howdy, Oaks. Before we get started today, we want to let you know that this show needs your help. You see, we love making this show. We've been making it for like three years, and I don't want to say it's getting stale because both bacon and eggs don't really get stale. They just kind of get stinky and greasy and gross. But I don't want to describe us that way. Anyway, what I'm trying and greasy to say, and gross. Hey, yeah, what I'm don't. trying to say is we have a listener survey out. And we want to try and revamp things and try some new things and fail at some new things. But we we honestly need your help knowing like what things to even try and point us in the right direction. So in the description of this episode is a listener survey. It takes like five to ten minutes. We do ask for some like typed out answers. Uh, but we've gotten a bunch of responses so far, and it's been super duper helpful as I return to the show. And uh, it would be great moving forward if you could take some time out of your day and do that survey because we we are doing things differently. Like we have a calendar that we're going to implement new changes on. And, and like you have a voice in that. So please use that voice. Or if you just want to tell us that the show's gone downhill, Now's your chance. Now's your chance. Yeah. Heck you, George. Yeah. You'll get that joke once you take the survey. Yeah. Anyway, uh, thank you so much for listening to the show, though. And thank you so much for doing everything you can to help us improve it. Because uh, I'm, not, I'm not out of ideas, but I'm out of ideas, guys. Um, anyway. Don't, don't tell them that. <laughs> on with the episode. Don't tell them that. Howdy, Oaks, and welcome back to Bacon and Eggs. I'm Tyler Carlin. You know, I'm Ethan Edgehill. And today we're going to war. Or maybe we're just writing a book. So fall in love with a girl in your wall. And kick Hitler out a window. Because today we're bringing you Jojo Rabbit. Okay, now not only is Jojo Rabbit the most requested movie on this channel, we're like, we, I said channel, this podcast. Don't, don't say channel. You can't say channel. I can't say channel. They're, this they're, is that feedback we were talking th- about. This, this is the feedback we're talking about. First of all, listeners to the show, I would like to apologize. We've become enamored with the idea of doing videos, and we've forgotten about you the people listening. So I've I just forgotten about you for one well, second. I hadn't either, but that's what the feedback said. That was done. the feedback said. So that's the I, feedback said. So I want to apologize the, to the listeners of the show. You're the reason we do this. The video stuff is just extra. This is a podcast, okay? You listen to it on your iPod. That's the only <laughs> way. So people who are listening on an iPod, you're send this us is, a it's screenshot. For it's for you. It's for you. No. Thank you so much for listening, especially Um, Um, if you're watching. Thank you for watching. But thank you for listening to this podcast that is not a channel. But yeah, most most requested uh, episode we've had in a long time. I don't know if it's ever, but yeah, it's it's definitely, definitely up there. Uh, Jojo Rabbit released. um, I got it right here on October 18th. 2019 which is 592 days ago it is also uh two months to the day after the birth of my first child uh is a 14 million dollar budget which is not very much made 90.3 million dollars worldwide which is also not very much got an 80 percent critic rating and a 94 percent audience rating on rotten tomatoes and a 58 on metacritic but there's actually one more stat i want to highlight and that is that jojo rabbit was nominated for not one not two not three not four not five but six oscars six the academy oscars. awards of motion picture arts and sciences nominated this movie six times and i think it won one of them 
It won one of them for Best Adapted Screenplay. It was based on a novel, Caging Skies, which, a fun fact about that novel, uh, did not have an imaginary Hitler in it and was not even a little bit funny. You read it? Oh, God, no. I you kidding okay. me? I couldn't read, like, World War II fiction or nonfiction, for that matter. Like, like if I was on a, an island and you were like, oh, Tyler, here's a copy of some World War II nonfiction you can read to entertain yourself, I would be like, oh, yay, fire. But I wouldn't burn a book because that's, like, rude. But I would also be like, I, I, I cannot read this. <laughs> No, is there a better door around here somewhere? Right. <laughs> I I don't want to read this at all. It'd be a pillow. I wouldn't use it for fire because yeah, books notoriously books. great pillows. I mean, wouldn't you want to lay your head down on Chaser by Charity Farrell? Um, no. Why are, Why do you have that book? It was. I don't know if you've seen this trend in book talk where like somebody will stand in front of the camera and describe like this absurd life. And then at the end of it, they'll be like, and that's the plot of Chaser by Charity Farrell. Yes, I have seen that. Uh, well, my wife got hooked on this one. Apparently I've, I've not read it. Not my cup of tea books with covers like this. I one. was going to say that is a book based on the cover <laughs> that I would not read that. I Yeah. At to, all. to our listeners at home, uh, there is a very handsome, chiseled man uh, about to kiss a very uh, traditionally beautiful woman who is wearing overalls, and he is wearing no overalls or regular clothes for that matter. Um, and that's the cover. That's uh, the cover. Anyway. That's on the front. That's on the front. On the inside, I believe, is a story about uh, a woman who is in high school and gets pregnant with the principal's child. And then, I let me see if I get the hook right. And then the... Uh, her best friend is like, well, I'll raise the kid with you. So they like get together, but then it's like not platonic. Then it becomes romantic. And I think that's who we're seeing on the cover here is overalls and naked man. Overalls and naked man. My favorite. That's actually the title of yeah. my memoir. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> anyway, let's talk about this movie. Uh, Jojo rabbit. Ethan, I've been, I, this is my first time watching this movie. This is not my first time watching this. I have seen this before once. Um, I, I want to go on record and say this well, is hey, a, real, real quick, real quick. Yeah. Uh, let's do reviews. Let's do positive and negative. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. What you professional got? Professional critic reviews. I have a negative review here from uh, Matthew Pelkovic of Matt's Movie Reviews, who says, a silly movie about hate rather than be a film that proves how silly hate can be. Ooh, I see I see where he's coming from, but I don't necessarily agree. I think he missed the plot a little bit. I think I think he did. No, I mean, one man's opinion. Am I right? I mean, uh, yeah, absolutely. But that's a, that, that's a negative review. Right. I have a review. For, is Empire Magazine? Are they referring to the the British Empire? Uh, no, I don't think so. I don't. I don't. Haven't read Empire Magazine. Hang on, Empire. Oh, Magazine. never mind. I have a review from Christina Lawfrey from the. Oh no, just just read the. Oh, it is Empire is British actually. Aha, Ben Travis at Empire Magazine. Taika Waititi's most oh daring God. film isn't his most successful, but among the tonal clashes, there's real hope, humanity, and no bones about it, Nazi bashing at a time when that's depressingly necessary. I was going to say, this is definitely his most successful. I forgot about Thor Ragnarok. For Thor a Ragnarok is like a It's definitely his most successful, but that's like kind of cheating a little bit. I don't know that it is. I mean, like, you got to consider that like Thor 1 and Thor 2, like they could have continued to go that direction and called Kenneth Branagh up and been like, hey man, you want to do another one? Right. Yeah. Okay. But like, if you're in a say if you're in a race, right, and you're yeah. driving a Corvette, yeah, and everybody else in the field is driving like um like 1990 Toyota Corollas. Okay, I'm following. You're probably gonna do a little better. I'm gonna get smoked by a riced out 19. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm sorry, Corolla. sorry, 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 sorry. You're, you're exactly right. You're exactly right. Um, say you're driving a Bugatti Veyron. 
Okay. And everybody yeah. else is riding bikes. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're probably yeah, going to, yeah. this is what I'm saying. Is you're going to do better. Just sort of like anybody, you can put anybody in the world in, in the, in the Corvette. Right. And they're going to do right. better than the people on bikes. Right. This is, a, this movie is a bicycle to the Corvette. Right. I, uh, so this is my first time around with this one. I think this is one that demands rewatches. It definitely does. There um, are, there were so many details I picked up the first time that I was like, this would be so satisfying a second time. Yes, that and you just get like, I don't know. It's just there's something better about it because I haven't watched it in, in over a year. Right. Right. There's something better about watching it the second time, though. It's like having seen it before and sort of having a vague idea of like what happens in it takes some of the pressure off of it in a good way. Do you remember back in the the annals of your mind, uh, 2019, October 17th, roughly um, what you thought this movie was about? Um. Yeah. So I thought this was going to be. No, I don't. Honestly, I right? thought I, I so up in until yesterday when I watched it, I thought this was a movie about how Jojo succeeds as a Hitler youth. And we like, and I thought the reason it was controversial was because like we, the audience is laughing and like sort of sympathizing with this Hitler youth and like hoping for him to succeed. And I actually remember being like, how is this the movie that everybody is insanely in love with? It must be fantastic. And that it turns out is not what the movie's about. Well, so I thought it was going to be, um, I, cause I knew it was about, before before it came out and before anybody had seen it really i knew it was a movie about a nazi with an imaginary friend yes i knew that. i thought it was going to be basically exactly like nazi harvey where the be the imaginary friend is a rabbit oh which is the plot of the movie harvey i also thought imaginary hitler was going to have a larger role well he does have the crux of being imaginary it does make it harder for him to have control over things I mean, Bruce especially Willis since Jojo like doesn't really have any power whatsoever. Of the Sixth Sense. Say that again. Bruce Willis is like the main character of the Sixth Sense. I haven't seen the Sixth Sense. Okay, well, but you know. Yeah, I know because I've watched Scrubs. Right. So, like, you know the imagine. Have you seen A Beautiful Mind? I have. I would rather not spoil that one for people since oh, we're not yeah, covering it. Have you seen Fight Club? I would rather not spoil it that for people. It doesn't. Have you read Stop Supermarket telling people about by movies. Bobby Hall? Have you seen Harvey? No, I haven't seen Harvey. Oh, you should watch it. Uh, um, it's a great anyway, movie. So I thought um, Imaginary Hitler was going to be a much larger role. I also thought the camp, like I felt like all the previews were were at the camp. Yeah, I was going to, I thought I was getting a much more like Moonrise Kingdom type vibe from this where like Sam Rockwell is a camp counselor for Hitler youth and one of these Hitler youths has an imaginary rabbit friend. Mm. It's not what we is got that the, Is that the plot to Moonrise Kingdom? No. Well, it's not, oh, well, it's not Sam no. Rockwell. It's Edward Norton. I can see how you get him confused. It does have Bruce Willis in it, but he is real. Um, I, this, this is all messing me up. That's a movie about a boy scout that goes rogue and like he and his girlfriend steal a boat and it's a Wes Anderson movie. Uh, on a scale of zero to 100 for me on, on, on Jojo rabbit. Yeah. 85, 85. Okay. Interesting. interesting. I locked that one in. I really did. I felt like this is a fantastic movie. I will revisit it. I very much enjoyed it, but it's not a, a 10 for 10 for me. It's not a hundred. No, it, it's not a it, hundred. It, it checks all the boxes. It fills me up. 85%. Honestly is where I'm at with it. I, um, I'm going to give it a 92. Ooh, I love it when you score something higher than me. 92. Um, I thoroughly enjoyed this one. This, this one really does check all the boxes, but without being like, like this is a movie I didn't want to give a hundred to, right? Because giving it a hundred in some way is going to make it, um, almost hard to watch to some extent, if that makes any sense. Like it's going to, like you have to reserve your viewings of it. Yes. But also just like, it's going to make, cause this movie, 
This movie, um, I think, is a little bit too fun. I don't have a problem with fun movie being a hundred. I, I, so I don't have a problem. Another, another reason for me there. I mean, I'm not trying to sell you on anything. Oh, okay. But it's it's just like it's not fun enough to be a hundred, and it's also too fun to be. There's a there's a, a gap there, right, where the movie gets a little bit tough for it to be a hundred. It does get a little bit. There's a few scenes, only one that really stands out in my mind, like as I sit here and think about it, that I'm like, whoa, we just what took are, a very heavy turn. What are those? The one that sticks out is when he's walking home from the, the I guess like the Hitler camp office. Yeah. And he sees his mom. Yeah. And that moment. That's like, brutal. I mean, that's that to me was like so incredibly powerful. And I think there was so much temptation on Taika's part to pan the camera up and for you to get like a full view of this morbid thing that happened. Yeah. And I think not doing that honestly gives it so much power that like we have established the shoes mean this much. Yes. That. I don't need to show this gruesome shot. I can save some money in the budget and give you more power. Well, I can save, yeah, I can save some money in the budget. I can make it more powerful and I can just not do that, right? Like I cannot alienate that group of people that way. And I don't need gore for the sake of gore. That's what I'm saying. It's like, it doesn't, yeah. it, it doesn't have to be, um, uh, yeah, gory, right? Like a, a different director, any, any, I think any other director would have just, just scooched the camera up and been like, <laughs> in case you didn't know. Um, that's Scarlett Johansson there hanging by her neck, deceased. In Germany. In Germany. And and he was just like, no, just the shoes. The shoes, mate. That's all you need. We've established the shoes. He and I think that, that, is, uh, that is, for me, that specific scene is what drives the movie over that 90% mark. Is that the, the trust in the audience. Um, oh, this movie says a lot about trust. Pretty overtly. I love that line. I, lo I, th I thought it was fantastic. How do you trust somebody? You trust them. Yeah. I was like, what? I mean, like... It's so good. I do um, feel like we're the, okay. So this movie is a little controversial, from what I hear. That was it is a buzz to this day with the like, can you make this movie? Where yeah, you can you make this movie? And this this movie is um, let's I'm gonna I'm gonna put a date on it. I'm gonna put a date on it. Um, October 2019. No, 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 no. not a date. The movie was made. Um, what kind of date are we looking? For? August 28th, 2023. You're not allowed to like this movie anymore. I yeah. So it's a ticking time bomb, right? But. Not, I watched and, and, it, no, but so it's not for any reason, right? It is, it is, it is ten years away. I think from being properly canceled um, for any reason. I think that if 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 it was gonna go down that way, it would have already gone down. Uh, there would need to be a significant paradigm shift for it to. Uh, it, it needs to age poorly first, right? For it to age poorly, um, right? I don't think it has, but no, this is, uh, this is, yeah, I think two years and two months away from people people on TikTok being like. Man, if a guy's ever seen this movie, red flag, run. All right. I, w I do want to talk about this because this that, has become a that's big what I'm saying, trend right? on it's, TikTok. It's that kind of movie, 100%. Yeah, oh, 100%. Like, if his favorite director is Taika Waititi, red currently, flag. Currently, you can say that, right? It's, because, it's Vogue. Yeah. Yeah, it's Vogue because he's he's wonderful and- um, He's the Ragnarok guy, but he's, he's also the, the heart for the guy. older people. Like he's he's big enough in the pop movies where it's like, oh wow, oh yeah, he he's an art film director that did some pop movies. Yeah, he, he you know, and he shoves his Oscar under the chair, and like he's you know this dresses right. weird, every man, uh, right. you know, kind of guy. But pretty soon he will be successful enough. But I will say this about he'll be film the, school enough that you won't be allowed to like him anymore. Yes, I will say this. A lot of people will be like, oh, you, on your film school on the first day, you know, Brad, Tyler, and, and Chris all say that their favorite movies, Pulp Fiction and Fight Club. And like, listen, I get it. Tyler Durden sucks. Yeah. That's the point. Yep. Okay. Movie slaps. And, 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 if, and if Fight Club or 
Boondock Saints or Pulp Fiction or Glorious Bastards or or Wolf of Wall Street's the big one right now. If that is the movie that gets this 19 year old invested in film, you're not going to make it through four years of film school without meeting a bunch of really cool, really liberal people. Yes. And you're not going to make it through film school without watching Taika Waititi and Wes Anderson and a bunch of amazing female and color directors. And and, and (laughs) Chloe Zhao and Greta Gerwig and Amy Bernie. They're just going to throw it at them. And right. it's going to so, probably so be okay. An, or it won't. Right. right, And then they won't succeed. But if a 19-year-old gets into film because they see Wolf of Wall Street and they're like, the way that this person made this movie is cool. I, like, I'm sorry. I'm just okay with that. Doesn't mean they want to be Jordan Belfort. No, yeah. If, if, if your boyfriend is idolizes jordan belfort like the not the character dicaprio played the person the wolf of wall street author (laughs) the wolf of wall sell me this pen himself yes that is a red flag please run uh just go ahead and call the securities exchange commission ahead of time let them know because he's he's pumping and dumping dollar sign gme like you wouldn't (laughs) believe uh he's got all his money tied up in dogecoin and ethereum uh and and just leave just leave him it's fine. But, but if he's but like, if he's if like, you're, oh man, babe, I liked this Martin Scorsese movie. Like you're probably going to be okay. Right. And if he's like, let's watch Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross, that's fine. Yeah. Like if he wants to watch sales movies, let him watch sales movies. Do you know why salespeople like sales movies? Because those guys suck. Yeah. And it makes sales guys feel good about themselves. Because sales guys watch the first 30 minutes of a sales movie and not the part where the salesman inevitably, <laughs> um, Dies, death of a jail, yeah. jumps out of a building, <laughs> right. or dies of an overdose. Or in the case of Jordan Belfort, goes to you know two years of private prison and plays tennis. Yeah, and plays tennis and writes a book, <laughs> and is now a zillionaire again and goes on Logan Paul's podcast. Uh, yeah, um, if that's your man, like then then run. But if your man's like, yeah, uh, so I watched uh, a David Fincher movie today. I thought it was good. Like you're gonna be all right. Yeah, but no, I think we're a, we're a good ways away still from. Mm, you can't actually make that movie, and him having to be like, yeah, you're right, absolutely. Shouldn't have made that movie. Shouldn't have made that movie. I tell you, do you know what moment it's gonna be? I don't think it's Taika Waititi, the Jewish New Zealander or Jewish Z- Kiwi playing Hitler. I really don't think that's the problem. I think it's uh, Sam Rockwell's redemption is that cancels is what cancels this movie. You think so? Yeah, I think Sam Rockwell. Because in that moment, Sam Rockwell redeems himself, makes himself look like the hero, and then the American soldier looks like the villain. Um, I think that's the moment. I really do. Interesting. Interesting. Okay. Um, I can I, cause, see cause it. I, like, listen, I watched the movie. I'm pretty well in tune, and I'm not going to get political on this show. I'm just not going to do it. Uh, talking about Nazis being bad people is not political. No. Uh, we're just going to take that as a baseline truth. Um, yeah, a baseline movie, truth this movie agrees with. Yes, yes. A baseline <laughs> truth this movie agrees with. Uh, I did not see this film as problematic. And the only moment where I was like, was that moment. What about you? Is there a moment where you were like, I don't know about that. Um, no, I mean, once you get past the like, oh, so we're doing it. We're, we're going to do, we're going to do the thing. Okay. Okay. So we're going to make a movie about funny Hitler. Okay. Right. But like, it's not Hitler, but it's not Hitler, right? It's what it it's is. It's not like, Hitler. Th- so this is what I, I really like about what goes on here is that it's not Hitler. It is what a brainwashed 10 year old thinks Hitler is. Stephen Merchant walks into his house and is like, you know, they say Hitler only has one ball, right? That's not true. He has four. <laughs> like it is that. Um, it's, it's the propagation of ideas, right? It's, it's, it's the war propaganda. It's designed to show you what it might have been like inside the the last days of the Nazi empire. 
in a German 10 year old's head. Yes. Uh, a German 10 year old who has fallen in love with the Jewish girl that lives in his wall. Yes. Who has completely humanized the concept to him. Um, the well, same but, uh, way that his friends learn in the army. Yeah. <laughs> when your kid comes up and it's like, there's bigger problems than, than Jews right now. I think we might be on the wrong side. Yeah. <laughs> Are we the baddies? <laughs> but like, even, even further than that, I also love the depiction of like 10 year olds in, like, I think there's some truth to this that like a 10 year old towards the end of the third Reich, like would think that Jews have horns. Yeah. Like w- yeah, in the sh- last days of Nazi Germany. Absolutely. Like w- would you straight up believe that? And I think that's such a, such a thing that we forget. Like, I think it's so much about like, we're not going to build bridges until we, we both sides agree. They want one. Yeah. You know, we're not going to convince them that we should build a bridge until we show them. We're not the Chandrian. Like, yeah, that's a, that's a reference that everybody in the audience just got. <laughs> Absolutely. No, it, for sure. Cause you watch enough movies like Schindler's list and you get a sort of, um, while that was obviously a much more true story, you, you don't get any idea of, of the propaganda machine there. You don't get any idea of like what it was like for the Nazi. Not yeah. that we should feel bad for the Nazis, but that, that we should always give 10 year olds the chance to change, yes. I think is a perfectly fine message to take away from this movie. Yes. Uh, this has a lot to say about, um, uh, more, all, more again, than- not getting political, but all beliefs held, uh, I- I- even even um, in, in contrary to one parent's belief, but in favor of the other parent's belief, right? The, like, children are undeveloped people that will repeat the things their parents say ad nauseum to their downfall. That this well, kid had to be saved by a Nazi from the German, I mean, from the American army, because he was literally going to walk up to this American and be like, no, I'm a Nazi. Like, right. harm me. <laughs> right. And there's a few scenes that are really good here. What I... Uh what I just love beyond love is exactly what we're talking about here is Jojo wants to belong more than yeah. he wants to kill Jews, which we, which we see immediately. Right. Uh, like yeah. he gets kicked out of camp Hitler and he's like, like that's the biggest problem. That's is the that worst day of his life. Right. Like that his sister died. A part his of father's school. dead. But the worst day of his life is that he doesn't have friends at Camp Hitler. He doesn't have friends at Camp Hitler. All he has is imaginary Hitler. Right. And Hitler's the, like the only thing that he knows how to love. Right. He puts you. Yorkie's like, I thought you were my best friend. I thought I was your best friend. And he's like, uh, no, uh, best friends reserved for the Fuhrer. Sorry, bud. Yeah. Like he just wants to belong to something, right? He He's repeating everything everybody's ever told him. He's a impressionable little kid. And... Elsa says that to him right to his face when she's like, you're not a Nazi. You're a kid who wants to put on a cool uniform and belong to a club. Yeah. And like, uh, not that we should get, let anybody get away with that. Obviously the Nazis are bad. People did horrible things. The kid's 10. The kid's 10. He's also like, we don't run into this situation very often where like he's in an inner circle, so to speak of like, he's not directly causing any harm. No. As a Nazi in the middle of Germany, he is like a cog in a machine that is obviously terrible, but like, he's not the one pushing these ideas and gassing Jews and, and doing all of these terrible things. Yeah. He, he, he lives just, in his little town and he goes to camp and does nothing. Right. And then he goes back to his little town. And, and I do love Taika Waititi was very intentional to make this town look vibrant and like arts forward. Apparently that was a, a sticking point was that a lot of war movies make Germany look like just a hell war zone. Yeah. Bleak. And apparently inside of Germany during World War II, it was like the best. Yeah. I, I mean, obviously not if you were Jewish or black or gay or anything, but if like to the Aryans, it wasn't just like, oh, we're the superior race and we live in this shitty place. It was like, we're the superior race and this place rules. Right. It's it's very much the uh, the uh, Titanic mentality, right? The, the people that are you know mad about the fact that there's black people on their boats as they're drowning right um the the the, the, the they might get on a boat with third class passengers while the right. ship is sinking right <laughs> just the utter and absolute ignorance because it, it is um 
Yeah, I would say that a lot of war movies make the the Germans, the German non-soldiers too easy to sympathize with, for sure. Where yes. it's like they're depicted as just like being victims of the situation. Yes. When in, in I, the I, reality, I, that was not true for most of them. But I like Scarlett Johansson's character, who's like a, a proper dissenter. Yeah. You know, and is is for the revolution, for sure. Yeah, she uh, she dies for the cause, for sure. She gets... um. Taken, snatched, and and hung. I, is... I also think it's interesting. There's a few comments to be made about how people identify themselves because Elsa comes out of the out of the walls, and like, I think one of like the comments when you're in middle school learning about World War II is like, oh, why wouldn't you just say you're not Jewish? Right. Right. And Elsa comes out of the walls and does exactly that. But Jojo and Scarlett Johansson do not do that. It takes it takes until the very end for Jojo to be like, I'm not a Nazi. Like he identifies as a Nazi through and through. And Scarlett Johansson identifies as a dissenter as soon as she's asked or as soon yeah. as she's confronted. Uh, I mean, it happens off screen, but we can only assume that that's how it goes down. Yeah, you you cannot imagine there was a struggle there. Right. I I don't. Yeah. I feel like I feel like it's implied that because because Jojo and Elsa get to stay in the house, right? So there's got to be some trade or something to that effect. Yeah, well, I think that the the sense of time there is a little warped as well. Um just in like, you know, obviously they're preparing for an invasion, like nobody's really going to check on the kid after that. That they they were worried about the house because they heard, you know, rumors that that one of the people at the at the camp was like this kid knows too much about Jews. Go search the house, find the Jew that's there. Um, but then after they've done that, after they've, they've cleared the search or whatever, and, and Sam Rockwell signed off on it, uh, then they just don't care anymore. Right. Cause it's not about the kid. It's about, you know, let's they're, they're going to kill other, a couple other people just to be safe. Right. You know? And that's why I don't think that it's going to be the, the redemption per se for, for Sam Rockwell's characters. Cause he also clearly was never particularly bought into the whole thing. I think he, uh, yeah, he's a, he's a born soldier. Right. And when he doesn't get to soldier anymore, he's like stuck thinking about what it means to be a member of the third Reich. Yeah, as soon as they, he, as soon as he's not uh, in the military, then he's he's like, well, hey, hey, hang on, oh, hang on, we're doing what? <laughs> yeah, what are we fighting for? <sighs> war, man, war. Why do we do that? Why did we do that? I can't. I mean, I get why we did. I get why we did that one for sure. I get why we got involved in Germany. I think the way we got into that one's a little weird. What do you mean? We waited until attack on a navy base or an air force base in not even a U.S. territory. Uh, I to mean, get involved with Japan. <laughs> I got nothing there, man. It seems like a weird, we, uh, like we knew what was happening weird, in Germany. We got a weird history with all that. Again, not getting uh, uh, political in this one, but. I'm not going to, um, no, I, yeah. I, yeah. And I think. Uh, I was not there for. I wasn't there either. I have not been in a position of power uh, or a position of even voting during the beginning of any war that America's ever been in. <laughs> <laughs> I have had nothing to do with uh, any of them. Yeah. No, uh, not either. that that makes me innocent I've being American been, or whatever, but like, I, I don't, I don't, I, I don't, I don't make the wars, man. I mean, you're, but you're in a similar boat as Jojo here, right? Where like, there's probably a certain level of propaganda that we'd have to deconstruct. Uh, and it's um, not your fault, but you're definitely a part of a, of a potentially terrible machine. I don't know. It's very oh, hard definitely, to tell yeah. from I the mean, inside. <laughs> Definitely, yeah. Um, I mean, all wars are, are uh, if we could solve problems other ways, or start figuring out how to solve problems other ways, that would be great. Like, if nobody gets bombed, that would be fantastic if we could just stop, generally stop bombing people. Yeah, I don't have a solution for it. I definitely don't have a solution for War Two. It is over, and it did happen way before I was born. 
Um, Way before. But it just looks, it seems like it sucks, man. Like, uh, going going to war, being involved in a war. Like, we, they make a lot of war movies. We covered one of them on the show not very long ago. Well, you didn't. I, would, I did. And uh, every time Shout I watch a war movie critics. these days, I'm just kind of like, why do we make these movies? I think people are fascinated by war. I really do. I like. I, I don't watch a lot of war movies. There was a question in the uh, Facebook group from Riley Josak, uh, who just finished, like, basic training i don't i don't know how military works um but he was like what's your favorite war movie and i was literally thinking through it and i was like i have no idea and then i kept thinking of like like jojo rabbit and glorious bastards like films that are very clearly satire or like star wars or infinity war movies that are definitely not the war movies people are asking about right uh and and i honestly like i remember at one point seeing seeing save it saving private ryan uh that was a, a good one. My father-in-law watches Midway at least once a week. Uh, the new one or them. the old one? Both of them. Mm. They both suck. <laughs> <laughs> Look, man, so you're, I'm on the opposite side of this, right? Like, like I'm on the opposite side of this. I grew up in the, we watch war movies in Westerns household, right? So, like, I've seen more war movies than I would ever care to. And, like, prior to a certain extent... Uh, we started making movies about how bad Vietnam was in like the 90s, right? Okay. And prior yeah. to that, it was mostly just like, me, gee, howdy, do I love the war type movies. <laughs> uh, I've seen, hold on. I've seen Forrest Gump. I think. Not a war movie. I, it's close. It's not, it's not though. Okay. Like, like <laughs> there's a thing people are talking about when they talk about a war movie and it's not Star Wars. It's not Infinity War. It's not this. I it's know. certainly not Forrest Gump. It's, it's you're saving Private Ryan. You're 1917. You're midway. You're what's that one with Tom Hanks on the boat? What? There's one with Tom Hanks and he's on a boat. Not the one with the pirates. The other one. Captain Phillips. Captain Phillips. Yeah. That's not a war movie. <laughs> no, not Captain Phillips. That's the one with the pirates. What's the other one? I don't know what you're talking about. Oh, it's like the whole thing takes place in the dark. Definitely a war movie behind enemy lines. Uh, on a uh, boat? On a boat, yeah. You haven't seen this one? I've I don't know what you're talking one. about. What? I am DB. Come on, man. Come on, man. Tom Hanks war movie. Castaway. Talk about Greyhound? Greyhound. That is is that even out? Yeah, I guess it came out last year. I haven't seen this movie. Of course not. Greyhound is what I'm referring to. These are producer credits. Come on, give me actor. Uh, yeah, that's the one I'm thinking of. Uh, oh, oh, I saw American Sniper. That's a war movie, right? That counts. Yeah. I thought that one was pretty good. Am I not allowed to say that? You uh, are. Okay, cool. I, I, I guess. I don't know. Good. I didn't like it that much. Uh, I have trouble with uh, movies about modern wars. Like, I just don't care. Um, I, you know, I have the same thing where, like... Like, I don't really want to watch Zero Dark Thirty or The Hurt Locker or I don't like <laughs> any of these, like, we're going to talk about Iraq war movies. This is my problem with the, the, with the uh, War in the Middle East movies is I am, like, I think I'm a bad person because the reason I don't want to watch them is I think the desert is a boring setting. And um, I think that's probably unfair. To yeah, the, I mean, for struggle. me, it's a little more of, like, it's not over yet right <laughs> like it's like making a movie about a, a football game at halftime right like right it's like we don't know the the result yet <laughs> <laughs> clearly uh, not getting political here oh uh, man um yeah i mean it's same Brian Robbins great uh people keep talking about hacksaw ridge i have no desire to watch that movie at all i don't know I don't why know that one is i don't either um, um i just remember watching trailers for it and being like ah yes a war movie. Oh no, that one is yeah, it's a war movie. That's the one with uh uh yeah, with um Andrew Garfield and it's kind of like uh like a like it takes place during different parts of his life. I oh, think. I have no idea. When I watched the trailer, it didn't look like it had a hook cuz like I that's think... the pr that's the problem with a lot of war movies is that they don't have any there's no hook to it, right? There's no like 
This is what differentiates. It's like, this is a war movie. You were recruited. (laughs) Yeah. There's no, not even that, but there's no like, there's nothing special about it, right? There's nothing differentiating about most of them. Right. Uh, Um, And the same problem people have a lot with, with a lot of Westerns. It's like a guy comes into town, stirs up trouble, shoots somebody, gets shot, leaves or dies. The movie over. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Like it's, 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 uh, it's a little overplayed at this point. Right. I don't know. This movie, however, um, is not overplayed at all. This is a new idea almost entirely. Imaginary Hitler. (laughs) Yeah, this was a wild one for sure. Um, And it definitely, it's like, it's a hard sell to somebody, right? You have to be like, okay, you got to watch this movie about a a Nazi you're going to sympathize with a little bit. Not for being a Nazi, but because he's an adorable kid. Because he's kind of human. Because he's kind of human. And it's going to show you that side of, of a Nazi and you just got to got to roll with it for a minute, right? Like and also his imaginary friend is Hitler. And Hitler's going to be weird. It's almost going to be funny for a second, but also it's going to make you uncomfortable sometimes cuz it's Cause still Hitler. Cuz it's still Hitler and he's still mean to the kid. Right, and it's still like what oh, hold on. That is Hitler. Like the the example of someone is as bad as the so, finishing yeah, yeah. of that sentence is Hitler. <laughs> right. Uh, I do love that Hitler keeps offering the ten year old child cigarettes. I was curious. Did you have a like a, as a as a film watcher? Did you have an answer for that other than like Hitler just doesn't consider the needs or emotional state of other human beings? Yeah, I mean, I think that's at as, all. as deep as it goes. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, you got to think about it's it's not Hitler doing this. It's Jojo, right? Like because he's Jojo's imaginary friend. So every decision that imaginary Hitler makes is some part of Jojo's broken mind that lost his father and his sister at a young age and feels like he only fits in in a Nazi world where his mother's actively trying to make him not be a Nazi. Right. So like the kid's a little messed up and we see that through imaginary Hitler who is like trying to convince him not to be friends with the the nice Jewish girl that lives in his wall. But he's not that good at convincing him not to be friends with the nice Jewish girl. Because Jojo wants to do these things, right? Like Jojo (laughs) knows that he's not a Nazi. He's making his first decisions on his own. You know, this is, this does remind me there's another movie about a 10 year old who goes through a traumatic experience and and for a lot of the movie they're they're finding their emotions uh and that movie's inside out what i'm saying is if hitler just didn't offer jojo pizza with broccoli on it like just i'm trying to go into jojo's head where like anger runs the show okay real quick real quick i hear where you're going i do want to get back to this point uh, but before you get into this, I need you to fan cast uh, Hitler or you know, Jojo's Five Emotions. Oh, oh, oh! Like oh, who yeah. plays who plays his Five plays Emotions? Who? Okay, well, this is tough. This is actually tough um, because we don't get to see. So he embraces a couple different things here, right? What like are he the embraces- options here? So we have anger, uh, fear, disgust, disgust joy, and sadness. sadness. Yeah. Okay. The the picture of his joy. I actually do think this is how we circle it back around is Scarlett Johansson. I was going to say the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's there. I think easy. his, I think his fear is Taika Waititi and his joy is Scarlett Johansson. I do feel like DK Harbor makes a, an entrance in here. Maybe his anger. Who? He plays Hopper in stranger things. David Harbor. Is it he go, David? He on goes by Instagram. DK now. Well, on Instagram, I think it's DK. Oh, okay. Uh, it could just be some initials. Yeah. David Harbor is anger. Okay. Okay. I like that. Uh, um, I think disgust is Elsa here. I don't know who the actress is. She was fantastic. though. No, I don't think it is because he's not ever disgusted with her. Do you think do you he think tries he, so hard to be? Do you think we bring in uh, Rebel Wilson as disgust? Because that's like her whole character, right? Is that like she just comes around and says something disgusting and just yeah. like keeps going. Here's a gun. <laughs> um, What does that make? Sam Rockwell as sadness. Oh, that's tough. 
Scarlett Johansson is a talented voice actress. Maybe she could do both. Sadness. Sadness has to be uh, either the sister or the dad. Who we never meet. I think sadness is the sister and disgust is the dad, right? Because JoJo's mad that the dad is a freedom. Like He won't admit the fact that his dad deserted the German army to go fight for the resistance. Oh, is that what happens? I mean, that's what we're led to believe. Okay, I, di I didn't quite get that. Is he either, he either died in the resistance or died trying to get to the resistance or right. is still alive fighting for the resistance. Okay. Because they all the kids make fun of him and they're like, Jojo, we heard your dad, you know, went to fight for the resistance. He's like, no, he's in Italy fighting on the front lines. And they're like, uh, no, he's not, son. So getting back into Jojo's head. Yeah. Who who drives? Like for Riley, it's Joy. Who is his primary driver? I well, that's think the whole the whole movie is the fight between between fear and joy. I, I disagree. Riley can't feel sadness or joy, right? She's numb to those emotions when she gets to San Francisco. I think fear drives Jojo from the start because that's like what Hitler is, right? Is like he's yes. instilling propaganda fear into Jojo. Like you yes, won't belong. And that's, if you but that's the internal it. struggle is that joy takes over. Yes. Joy wins yeah. when the mom dies. No, sadness wins when the mom dies. That's a core memory, memory between sadness and and fear. Yes. And then that allows Jojo to fall in love and realize that he doesn't like right. the Nazis. And then, I, yeah. And then there at the end, victory is joy. I mean, victory theoretically is always supposed to be joy, right? Like not for Hitler. <laughs> no, but like in your mind, like you want joy to win, right? It's not about forcing happiness. It's about not letting sadness win. That's not the story in inside out though. Riley has to embrace sadness. Uh, yeah. I stole that line from the wonder years. Oh, <laughs> But that's what I that's what I was thinking of the whole time is that that song. It's like it's not about forcing it happiness, it's about not letting sadness win. Um That's I mean that's Riley's struggle in the whole thing, right? Is that like It's yeah, it's a, well, I mean it is about not letting sadness win. Well, that's what Riley wants is to like I'm just determined to not be sad here in San Francisco. I Riley the first Riley the first human to have human emotions ever. <laughs> <laughs> Riley, like the ultimate trans girl who like some of her emotions are men are men and some are women and everybody else's are the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> like I was reading the, uh, I just finished the divergent series by Veronica Roth, the books. Um, yeah. Uh, and like, Honestly, thinking about Riley's head emotions is how I pictured the inside of Trish's brain the whole time. Is it like she has a, a neurodiverse group of brain emotions that everybody else has one guy in there driving all five jobs, doing all five jobs. And that's what makes Trish different is that she's divergent. So like her brain is like normal. Inside Out makes some wild claims when you pull it back to a macro level, which they do for you in the movie. Right. <laughs> They're like, let's observe the mother who's driven by sadness and the father who's driven by anger. Yeah. And it's supposed to just be this cute little scene of like everybody has, you know, their emotions, but they didn't want to cast new voice parts for everybody. So like everybody is their own stuff inside. And that's the whole point is like once you're an adult, all your emotions be just become you. Right. Like all of his angers, all the dad's angers have mustaches and, you know, all that. And it's, so there's a whole lot going on in that scene about like losing innocence and, you know, becoming uh, a formed adult that doesn't have original thoughts or anything. And they're, you know, it's supposed to be this cute little short scene and it's just sort of brain melting at the same time. Yeah. Whoops. Yeah. <laughs> From the maker of soul guys. <laughs> <laughs> Dan Scanlon might need to go to therapy. That's not Dan Scanlon. Dan Scanlon, Pete Doctor. Pete Doctor. Pete Doctor might need to go to, Pete, Dan Scanlon also needs to go to therapy, but. <laughs> yes, he does. Pete Doctor might need to go to therapy a little bit. Pete, if that's how you think about your own brain, my guy, oof. Is that not how you think about your brain? Um. 
So I've, it's, I don't I think children. I could put that on paper. <laughs> I have children, right? And as a result, my TikTok FYP is often child psychologists. Mine is are, not. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Who'd have thought? Who'd have uh, thought? <laughs> Who are like giving parents advice on like how to deal with situations and also just talking about like, you know, it's important to understand why your kids feel the way you feel, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, one of the big things in child psychology that I see as a non-child psychologist, non-professional, do not know what I'm talking about. A lot of them will use the inside out characters to help children talk about how they feel. Yeah, I believe it. Yeah. Five is, is enough things to get across more than one feeling, but not too many things to get confused. Right. They definitely, that one passed through some uh, some focus groups of like, our kids going to get this? I, you know, I'm actually surprised that it goes through focus groups because truthfully, fear, I think makes sense. Disgust, write it out. You don't need it. Mindy Kaling. Right. But disgust has to learn to try things. That's important for kids. But is that part of the lesson of Riley's struggle of like when you moved from Minnesota to San Francisco, you went numb to all joy and sadness and you let disgust drive? I guess so. Yeah. You let disgust drive and you couldn't make new friends because they were both too cool and not cool enough at the same time. You, Yeah, you you let broccoli pizza ruin your life, kid. Like, yeah. you, <laughs> disgust was driving that day. I no, I you. think disgust is a weird. I truly think they got to four. They got to joy, sadness, fear, and anger and went, this would really be great if we had a fifth one. This would be good. We, we can't just let Bill Hader and Louis Black handle the show <laughs> while, while joy and sadness are gone, right? We yeah. need a... Uh, <laughs> We need another strong female component here. Yeah. Um, and I think that they were just like, what What else can we distill down to one thing? I do think that's interesting because, yeah, like now we're talking about Inside Out. Her frustration with the broccoli pizza isn't rooted in sadness. It's rooted in like anger and disgust that yeah. someone would do that. Yeah. Also, broccoli on pizza is good, y'all. Yeah. Well, that's an that's an adult thing. Yeah. So Nine-year-olds aren't going to get that. I, one of the things I really dislike about children's media, media in general is the broccoli is bad narrative. Dude, I freaking love bro I have loved broccoli since I was born. Day one. Day one. Day one. My girlfriend hates broccoli to this. She's 25 and, and, and 300 and... Uh, 41 days old. I just don't get that. How can you hate broccoli? I don't know. You know how many bad tasting vegetables or, or bland vegetables there are? All my, of them, except my, broccoli. My mother, Linda Edgehill, the, the, the person that taught me everything I know about being human, went to her grave hating Brussels sprouts. Whoa, hating whoa, them. That's actually okay. I, listen, no. I, I'm a Brussels sprouts activist. There's no doubt. No, sir. You got to teach. You got to teach. You have children. You got to <laughs> end this war on sprouts, my dude. I remember being the first time I, you were sitting there with me. The first time I ever had a Brussels sprout in my life. We were in London at we're that crazy, yeah. that crazy bar we went to where they only spoke Portuguese. <laughs> yeah. We and they gave an us American American Thanksgiving, which was turkey and gravy with French fries and Brussels sprouts. That was the first time in my life I ever had a Brussels sprout. I ate that Brussels sprout right then. And I was like, I went home and I was like, mom, Brussels sprouts are good. She was like, I never told you you were, they weren't. And I was like, you've <laughs> never cooked them. How dare <laughs> you? You said they were bad. She's like, I hate them. I've always hated them. Uh, anyway, 10-year-old me loved broccoli, okay? 10-year-old me loved pizza. 10-year-old me would have been mad if you smushed those two things together. I think I because would Because broccoli is not a vegetable that feels like it belongs on pizza. At 28, I don't think I would do Brussels sprouts on pizza. That feels No, I definitely wouldn't. Me. That's a loud taste for pizza. <laughs> <laughs> Uh-huh. But I would rather have Brussels sprouts in Hawaii, not than Hawaii, not than Hawaii, than pineapple. Oh, I would do Hawaiian pizza all day, every day. Ugh, negative. That's literally, like my negative. Go -to. Every like every like kitschy. We do fun pizza restaurants. I go to 
That's a Hawaiian pizza. Night no night. way, dude. Every single one. Yeah. This is, you, this is the thing that you and I fundamentally cannot agree on <laughs> I in honestly, our entire like, life. It's one of this pizza. This makes me so mad about you because I'm like, Ethan and I agree. So you and I agree on so many things that when we disagree, I question everything about myself. Oh, I'm no. Like, I, every time you talk about pizza, I question everything about you. Never once have I been like, Tyler might be right about pizza. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, everybody in the Fred group agrees except except him, except this guy. He's uh, like, oh, Joe Good Pies is so good. And I was like, it's not. Grace's place, guy. I like Grace's too. Uh-huh. Uh, Here's here's my question, Ethan. This is important. I think this has come up on the podcast before. If you were ordering pizza for the office, which you do not work in, but imagine you do, how do you go about it? That's a big question, man. Because like, how many people are in the office? How long have I been there? Have we had pizza parties before? I would say- How many pizzas? I would say 10 people work there. Okay. Okay. Uh, You have been there about 18 months. Okay. And like the person who would normally have ordered the pizzas, it's their birthday. It's their birthday. Okay. So now it's like, uh, so like now your cubicle mate was like, we got to do something special for for Ruth. So you're ordering the pizzas. I mean, I'm not going to order Hawaiian. (laughs) No, I'm not going to order Hawaiian. What are you, insane? That's Um, a controversial pie. Yeah, I mean, I'd get uh, definitely um, a bunch of cheeses. Everybody go eat cheese pizza. Yeah, so I, I believe in a in a three two one rule when it comes to ordering pizza. Okay. You for every one sausage pizza, you order two pepperoni and three cheese. Yeah, I, I would say so. Um, in this situation, you aren't going to get six pizzas for ten people. Uh, <laughs> I mean, that's fair. So um, you probably do. I would think you would do. I would do if I for for uh I would do two cheese, one pepperoni, one supreme, I think. Supreme or sausage? Supreme. Ooh, interesting. See, see, that's where I think it gets a little dicey is is the heavy topping ones. And now I, there's some factors at play here, right? Like what about Grace? She's gluten-free. It's like, well, I don't know if pizza day's for her then. It's not yeah. her birthday. <laughs> on yeah, on her birthday, we're not gonna get pizza. <laughs> right. Uh, but also like it, that's what i'm what saying it's like am i because if, if i'm the new guy and they're like hey new guy get pizza and i don't know that grace is gluten-free right like if i'm there 18 months i know grace is gluten-free we've had enough birthdays that i know grace is gluten-free right like we've got that figured out there's a, a grace contingency plan right and you i know, think we, that, we that, let that, grace know <laughs> that we're, we got her but like right we're doing pizza today but they do sell but we're salads gonna, yeah we're gonna figure you out chicken <laughs> we're gonna figure you out right like we'll get you taken care of we got you grace um, no, so I, I think that, uh, first of all, um, I was going to go back to Jojo Rabbit. I got to make one more quick point. Uh, the mellow mushroom slander has to stop just from the world. Uh, mellow mushrooms fine. You don't have to like it, but just leave other people alone, man. I don't, I don't know who you are. Me? Yeah. Mellow is good, man. D- no, disliking mellow mushroom is like a core memory for you. No. I, okay. Now, hang on. <laughs> We had that mellow mushroom experience. It's like, it's like, it's like, I mean, that's a core memory, but I'm not going to hold that against the brand. I don't, I might. I mean, I go to mellow here in Roanoke. The Star City mellow is great. Kind of. It's a little too garlicky. Uh, but like, I like mellow because I can go get a crazy pizza without being judged. That I see that I am big on that too, where like, I'm like, oh, I want a crazy pizza. Let's go to CC's buffet. And people are like, if you say that again, right. It's like, oh, I'm I want, I want, a, I want a mac and cheese, buffalo chicken pizza. Mellow <laughs> right. mushrooms like done. Yeah. <laughs> you want that half and half or just schmoosh together? Right. But you go, you go to Domino's and they're like, what? Or you bring it home from Domino's and people are like, what's wrong with yeah. you? One time you and I brought Pizza Hut home, like a pepperoni pizza, and my dogs wouldn't eat it. <laughs> to be fair, <laughs> that pizza was horrible. It was really not that good. That Pizza Hut's gone now, too. Yeah. 
I, uh, I, I've had the, have you had a personal pan pie from Pizza Hut before? Like I have drive through. That is another level of good pizza. Um, yeah, except uh, Domino's has started doing pan pizzas and they're better. I, uh, I don't, I don't sympathize with Domino's. You're a Papa John's uh, guy. They do the pepperoncinis. Okay, and, and the they do worse pizza. He's the garlic sauce and the pepperoncinis. I'm a I'm a nose guy, man. For, if we're getting if we're getting uh, brand pizza, chain brand pizza, I'm a nose guy for sure. I'll say I'll take Papa John's over the hut. I was a Domino's guy for many years. In college, we did Domino's, and uh, I like Domino's because they do have a, an expanded menu where I can order god awful chicken wings, and they'll just bring them to me. Yeah. They'll bring you a whole plate of spaghetti, some yeah. chocolate lava cakes, a pizza, you gotta remember. Uh, some cheesy breadsticks, and it'll be like $17. You order one large pizza for Papa John's, they're like, that's $48.50. Thank you. <laughs> right. Oh, but you college. get the peppers? Hey, man, we got the pepperoncinis. We didn't <laughs> charge you for them. This pizza was $29. We didn't charge you for the peppers. No, I actually, I've gotten to a stage in my life where I stock pepperoncinis. And, of course uh, you do. <laughs> Uh, me and my father-in-law will watch Midway and just tear through a jar of pepperoncini. Just nods of pepperoncinis. <laughs> um, and then he'll be like, oh, I got heartburn. And I'll be like, I cannot imagine why. I can't imagine why, Bill. <laughs> Take some time to get over it. Maybe see your GI earliest convenience. Might have an ulcer. Who knows? You just tore through two jars to these bad Oh, boys. that's going to be me. They're, they're, I'm going to go to the, the ER when I'm 43, and they're going to be like, you have a hole the size of Mount Everest in your stomach, man. What are you doing? And I'm like, red sauce. Like it's the free pepper You know you have way too much stomach acid, right? I'm like, red sauce, red wine, tomato sauce, red things, all red things. Acid. I, my diet is red. <laughs> Toothpaste. I like red stuff. No, orange juice is what I meant. I feel like I just hinted at something. And now I have to think of one. You got a, you got one? It's been a minute. It's been a minute. All right, Ethan. What do you got? a few things that are bothering me. Okay, tell me about your We're toothpaste and orange rapid juice. rapid fire these toothpaste and orange juice situations, okay? I'm going to need a ding for each one as you agree with uh. it. Kind of like, have you seen Who's Line where like he just starts ringing the bell? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. First things first, grass, stupid. Why is it growing? It's driving me nuts. I get it, okay? When I'm a kid, I have this nice lush carpet of grass, grass because my father has time to put into it. But I'm an adult who travels every weekend and has very young children. And I don't get to mow my yard every weekend. And guess what, Ethan? My neighbor, do you know what he does for a living? He's a landscaper. He's a professional landscaper. Not one of these rinky-dink guys him. in a truck. No, I can't. I can't do it, man. I cannot do it. You know why? Because he's not a rinky-dink two guys in a truck. He is like a top-level project manager for the second largest landscaping company in town. He's, he's like, I, I literally leave my house and drive to drop Olivia off at daycare, and his company is mowing the entire daycare area. They do big projects. So he goes out with like a tractor once a week and he's like, I'm going to make my yard look freaking awesome. I go out with an electric lawnmower on an acre of land that takes me six charges. Yeah. Six so just charges to tell mow. your neighbor that, hey, if you want to whack my yard with your your with tractor, tractor while you're out here, I'll throw you. What would that be worth to you? I don't think I can do that. I don't think I can do that oh, because man. Ethan, I don't think you know this about suburban dads. We have very little going for us and if there's one thing I do have, it's a better lawn than my neighbor. Okay? Except you don't because your neighbor's a professional landscaper. He's a landscaper. Oh, it drives me nuts. And I'm on lawn talk, so I see all the great yards. 
everybody that sands and makes mini putt courses, mini, mini golf courses in their yard, I'm there. Second thing that's bothering me, when my favorite beer that a company makes is only available in a variety pack, and it's the one that they make like two of in that Who did this to pack. you? Everyone does who, this. Yeah, but who me. did this to you recently? Who, I, who I don't have this? a specific one. This is what drives me nuts. You'll you'll get you'll get you'll get Stone Brewing, and it'll be like four of our regular beer that we make twelve packs of, and two of the one that's really fun that you want right. to try. And it's like Devil's <laughs> Backbone does this. It's like oh, the Devil's Backbone Adventure Pack. It's like here's six Vienna Lagers and six really one of each really cool beers that you can't buy anywhere else. Yeah, yeah. You can come to the tasting room in Charlottesville. I'm not gonna do that, Devil's Backbone. I'm not gonna do that. Devil's backbone. Do you know why? Because I have to drive home after that. <laughs> I drove by that place recently. That's a heck of an operation. It's a very cool operation. I've never actually been there. They've got going on. I've been to the Bold Rock up on Carter, Carter Mountain, but not the like full scale Bold Rock. I have not been to any of the Bold Rock facilities. I will say Bold Rock does this to people where they have variety packs with very good beers, and then the six packs are like Bold Rock, hard cider, apple. Like, uh, yeah, I mean, it's delicious. Don't get me wrong. I, yeah, like I mean, Bull Rocks always I'm sold very, six packs of their good stuff, though. Very frustrated with ticks. I don't know why those are a thing. I've had to pull like four ticks off of me and two off of my dogs. It's only a matter of time until I have to go like proper hog wild against a tick who gets onto one of my children. You yeah. have to burn the forest down. Yeah. Uh, like, I'm not looking forward to that. Also, I saw a snake while I was mowing my yard the other day with an electric lawnmower, and he laughed at me. He turned yeah, his man, head you gotta, uh, You might got to <laughs> cut some of that brush back, my dude. <laughs> I paid my landscaper, my two guys in a truck landscaper to come out and, and push it back. The problem is I can't keep up with it. Yeah. Because I'll, I'll, one, it takes six charges to mow and charge takes four hours. Two, uh, my oh, you need a new lawnmower, my dude. I know. I There's something lawnmower. wrong with that. Let me tell you why I can't get a new lawnmower. Because patreon.com slash bacon and eggs, people aren't there. People got to go to patreon.com slash bacon and eggs. Otherwise, I don't get a new lawnmower. Two, Father's Day is not for another few months. Three, America Father's has... Weeks. Father's Day is fourteen days. Another few weeks. Three, three. Ethan, this is very important. Three, this is very important. Ethan, Father's Day is not for a couple more weeks. Two, Patreon.com/slash Bacon and Eggs. Three, I have no idea, man. I don't want a gas mower. I feel like I want to be the guy that's got like the really nice electric mower. But an electric mower, like a riding one that do my whole yard, is like fifteen hundred dollars. Yeah, it's a lot of money. I could just pay somebody to come right, which is what you should be doing, right? I know it is. The, oh, uh, oh, this the, is three. America has the world's worst maternity system. So it's not like I have bonus cash sitting around right now when I have a working lawnmower. No, you do not. So uh, anyway, stupid situation. Landscapers are so cheap, though. It is. It's uh, absurdly cheap. I don't know if this is the case everywhere, but to do like your yard, it's like thirty five dollars. Which yeah. Maybe that sounds like a lot of money. I, I'm sorry if it does, uh, but that's totally worth it to me. It's like I get paid in the amount of time it takes me to mow that yard. Seventy dollars a month. Yeah, worth it. Yeah. <laughs> Come over two weeks, take care of it in 30 minutes. Yeah. Cool. And cool. He, like, dude doesn't even take his headphones off the whole time he's yeah. there. The guy that uh, mows a lot of my mom's house is rad. He's a one man operation. One got one guy in a truck. Yeah. And uh, he's just killing it. He shows up for 20 minutes, makes his $40 every two weeks, leaves. Anyway. Although don't uh, forget to call him for two months. <laughs> Once the grass starts growing. Whoops. That's on me. I don't live there anymore. Nobody lives there anymore. Don't tell my insurance company. But nobody lives there right now. Here, here Ethan is to thousands of people on the internet. Yeah, I got a call from the county that was like, hey, man, <laughs> we're going to give you a fine if you don't mow your lawn. And I was like, shoot. I was afraid of that call. I went out today and did it before I finished Jojo Rabbit. I did. I went out and I yeah. mowed the front yard. 
I didn't even get a call. I got a, I got a letter. Code yeah. violation. Yeah. No, they I, with a ooh. picture that's like, hey man, your grass long as hell, dude. I was I'm like, I a, got, I got a guy on it. I promise. I'm in a homeowners association now, which is uh, its own kind of toothpaste and orange juice. Our homeowners association should come with a landscaper. I'm sorry. I would agree. My homeowners association, I believe, is run by the landscaper and is like fifteen dollars a month. So it's, I mean, as far as homeowners associations yeah, go, fair, it's yeah. not that bad. But they will send me a letter every like ninety days, being like, "Hey, you didn't pay for the homeowners association," and I'll be like, "You have to get a better way to build this." I, if it's a letter, I'm not seeing it, and if it's like a thing I have to log into once a month, I don't even. Can know I just what leave fifteen dollars in my mailbox? Right. Put the flag on. <laughs> right. Call it good. Count? Yeah, no, the uh, the mythos that the American male should mow his own lawn, I think, is absolute BS. Um, I, dude, I would do a, like a moss lawn in a heartbeat. Well, it's not even that. It's just like lawnmowers are expensive. Yes. Just like we... It's the only thing we think this way about, right? It's like this and clothes washing. You buy a lawnmower, you buy a washer dryer, right? You don't... You don't buy a well. You don't have somebody come to your house and dig a well. You just get water from the street. Uh, so you're saying the county should mow my yard? No, I'm saying that, that you should. I'm saying, well, yes, actually. You know what? Yeah, I actually am saying that, <laughs> believe it or not. I'm saying that if 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 you have a trash service, right, you should also be able to just sign up for the like county lawnmower service. But it should also be acceptable for you to be like, I'm going to pay a landscaper. Because I don't own, I'm 27, I don't own a lawnmower, right? Like, my dad's still using his. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's so funny. When we got the old, this is how I ended up with an electric lawnmower. Was it the old house? It came with a mower. And yeah. And died. I believe it. <laughs> it came with a mower. And then I called my dad, because they moved into, uh, they were like, they were like a foster family. They got like a promotion to where they were like, they had their own floor in a hotel or something. It's way more complicated than that. But that was sort of the gist of it. Anyway, he wasn't living with a yard anymore. So he left his mower. And I used it for like half a season and it just died because it's if it a worked, he would have sold it. Right. <laughs> so then I called my dad and I was like, hey, my lawnmower died. And he was like, well, I need a new one anyway. So I'll go buy a new one and you can have mine. I took it home mode one time with it and then it died. And I was, and that one was relatively new. Like it was the one he got while I was in college for his, so I guess it was probably like five years old, but in my mind it was new. It was better than the one I mowed with in high school. Sure. And uh, so at that point I went out and I was like, I'm getting an electric mower. I live in the city on a block. I don't need anything fancy. And so I did and I loved it. And now I have big old tracks of land and I can't electric mow it. I don't have a big old track of land. I have, I think a half acre now and I was at a quarter acre before. It does not seem possible to me that you have more lawn now than you did before. Oh, it's way more lawn now. That's shocking. It, yeah, it's a lot more. You had such a big backyard, though. Yeah, and now I have a like like before I had like a like a lands like, like like a portrait shot backyard. Now I have like a panoramic. Right, but most of it's not further. grass. No, it's all grass. Hey, you got a lot of like bush. I had a lot of bush, and then we paid a guy to clear it. Did and you? Now it's yeah. Oh, I didn't know. Now you did it's that. all mowable. Well, that was your first mistake. Yeah, just hire a guy. Anyway, Jojo Rabbit. Oh, this is the problem. This is why I can't hire a guy. Let me just one last point. Okay. My landscaper, uh, when he charged me for doing the clearing of the bush, bush, he just put like a like a receipt, like an invoice in my mailbox, and it just had an address on it, which would imply that I need to mail you a check. And uh, yeah, I don't, I don't own checks. This is the 21st century. I pay my rent in checks because that's, that's the only way I'm allowed to. Nope. Nope. I don't have checks. Uh, yeah. So eventually they they sent me an invoice on Venmo and I paid it immediately. But yeah. it was like six weeks after the fact. And I feel like he's like, I don't want to come to your yard because you never pay. Because I've done this to him before. And I don't like being that guy. Yeah, I, I would just set you. that expectation the next time. It would be like, if you send me a Venmo invoice, I'll pay it immediately. Yeah, I'll pay it before you leave, dude. Like, like yeah, you can watch me do it. Um, um, so Jojo Rabbit, what was your favorite part of this movie? 
Um, I actually have notes. Let me pull them up. My, I honestly, I think the my favorite part of this movie is this almost a trope at this point. I think it probably stems from like Schindler's List, where if you put the Gestapo into a building, regardless of whether or not we know that there's a Jew hiding there, it's a tense scene. It's a tense scenario, yeah. It's so tense. And there's the the intro to Inglorious Bastards is this way as well. Yes. And I love, I mean, I don't love this. I hate that this is a thing. I hate that it ever happened. Uh, but I, I I, think it is, to me, that was like a filmmaking moment where I was like, this is a moderately tense Michael Giacchino score underneath. It's not really doing a lot. You know, there's, there's a couple five plus four chords. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, and we know, and I'm pretty sure everybody in the in the movie knows. But like, is Jojo gonna give everything up because he's testing his loyalty to Elsa and the Gestapo right now? Is Elsa gonna abandon her her heritage, of which she does? Uh, and then is Sam Rockwell on Jojo's side, or is he on the side of the Gestapo? I don't know. I thought it was a fascinating scene. I think that might have been my favorite scene in the whole movie. Well, and that's uh, yeah, I, I would agree with you there. That is a, a, a definitely a different uh, scenario than most movies go for, where she like comes out of the wall and talks to the Nazis. She says like, Heil Hitler. Puts herself out there. Yeah. Um, something you don't see in a lot of other movies. And like, obviously Sam Rockwell knows what's up because he reads the paper and sees May 7th and is like, this is not you. I'm not going to say anything. Like, I know what's going on here. I like Rosie. Like, I know what's going on. Right. Um, and it's very possible he was involved in some other way. Who knows? But like, that's not the traditional route these movies take almost ever. And that's what I think is so fascinating about about that scene. And it, it's tense in like a different way, not in the like, are they going to find her way? But like in the is, is somebody going to say something way, right? Like is somebody going to figure this out. Yeah. What about you? Do you have a favorite scene in this movie? Honestly, I just love uh, any of the the Taika Waititi movies have this like exposition scene at the beginning where like with the montage where like we see the kids at camp and like the quick cuts of Sam Rockwell shooting the gun and like the whole thing. It's the same scene that happens in Hunt for the Wilder People where the, the cop is listing all of Ricky's sins. Yeah. Breaking stuff and Ben and stuff and and like it happens in every movie and I just never get tired of it, right? Like I never get tired of watching the way these movies are established in this cute like campy kind of way and they could be whatever they are after that. Like it always has this like kind of weird exposition i think what makes this one i hunt for the wilder people has this a little bit but what i think i think he uh goes for deeper deeps if that makes sense in this one what, what, what do you mean like like the powerful moments here to me feel more powerful than the moments in wilder people and definitely than thor ragnarok um which i think are the the three that come to mind when i think taika waititi um it's a different kind of deep than wilder people for sure. Yeah, it is. It is definitely Taika Waititi, not just because he's in it playing Hitler. Like there's a there's a moment here where somebody says a Jew and somebody else says Gesundheit. Gesundheit. Yeah, I died. Yeah, I was like, that's the best joke I've ever heard. Yeah, it's definitely his dialogue. It's definitely his writing. Uh, which has its own unique characteristics, right? It's never it's never as formal as you think it's going to be, right? Right. Where, like, it's the opposite of thing of, of the Wes Anderson thing where all kids talk like adults all the time, right? Like, where every kid in a Wes Anderson movie is the most well-read person you've ever met in your entire life. It's the complete opposite of that where, like, the adults don't even talk like adults. They talk like children. They talk like children, right? It's just very conversational language well, no matter what. It's like, I think these movies do have an air of, especially this one, have an air of like, to exactly your point, like this is what you and your friends who made movies in the backyard, like this is the pinnacle best version of that movie. Right. Like Taika Waititi is a very advanced 12 year old making <laughs> movies in his backyard with $14 million budgets and professional, uh, you know, filmmakers, filmmaking teams. 
Like I still, obviously he's a fantastic writer, fantastic director. I still feel like he just kind of shows up and it's just kind of like, okay, so here's what we're going to do today is we're going to make a movie. And everybody is kind of like, yeah, we're all actors. We make movies. He's like, yeah, what, yeah, you hired gonna, us, man. We're going to make a movie. <laughs> Um, and, and, and just like the, the casting is brilliant for all these people and, and every character is used well, like even, even rebel Wilson showing up and just being like constantly having some crazy quip to put in <laughs> or being like, okay, so here's your, uh, here are your commissions or your conscriptions and here's your gun. And they're all just like, no, 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 that's a child. We're not serious. <laughs> Cannot give him a child. I never get tired of Sam Rockwell being in things. I truly think he's one of the most underrated actors ever. Well, I uh, while you, I agree with you, Sam Rockwell is amazing. Uh, put him back in the MCU stat. I think that's why he's working with Taika on this project. He was. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He was. Uh, Justin Hammer. Justin Hammer, yeah. He still makes the War Machine uniform. Put him back in. <sighs> yeah. Send him back to Monaco. War Machine rocks. War Machine rocks with an X. Maybe he will show up in Armor Wars. Maybe. Ethan, I have a, a project for you. Okay. Uh, we've been talking about Kiwis, talking about New Zealand. Yeah. All right, bro. mate. What's the project? I don't say bro. That's like like the the scummy people in England say bro. As a, as a sidebar, brew. I've just, brew is New Zealand. That's South Africa. Whatever. Uh, sweet as mate. Anyway, as a sidebar, I've decided Seamus Gorman's hometown, Branford. Uh, their their Champions League team just got promoted to the Premier League. The Branford Bees. Champions going... League is not the same thing as the, the English football championship. Oh my god. I hate... I'm done with this game. I've decided I no longer care about soccer. Okay, well, I just want you to know that the, the UEFA Champions League is very different from the second tier of English football. They've just advanced from the second tier of English football to the to the Premier League, and yes. uh, that is that is now my team, the Branford Bees. The Branford Bees. We we had we had gone on a long discussion because it was always Manchester United, but I felt like one of the old faithfuls. Like, there's nothing to being an American like an old faithful team. That's like when you meet a British person and they're like, "Oh yeah, the Dallas Cowboys, mate," and you're like, "Oh my God, shut up." That's like, not how British people talk, though. <laughs> <laughs> I love the Dallas Cowboys. Even if even if I talk to a British person, they're like, oh, the Washington football team. Like, shut up. That's an NFC East team. You don't get to pick one of those. You don't get to pick the NFC East. You don't get to pick the Packers. You don't get to pick the Patriots. You get to pick any other team. But those are the ones that are off limits. Yeah, you got to be a Jacksonville Jaguars fan. Right. You got to like something. Jaguars. Kind of, Jaguars. Jacksonville Jaguars. You got to like something a little bit weird. So you're a Bradford Bees stand now? Uh, I think I will be. Yeah, they uh. We, we talked a lot about it, and we really liked Wolverhampton was the team that we thought, like, Who not is an old we? faithful, me and Seamus, ah. for me to like. And he was like, it's not an old faithful team, but it's also got a rich history, uh, and they're kind of like, like currently the whole team, coaches and, and, and owner are all from a different country, so it kind of like fits that narrative. They're all Portuguese. Uh, of like, you know, an outsider liking a Premier League team. Um, and they listen, if you're from the UK and you're like, Wolverhampton's been around forever, Tyler, that's absolutely an old faithful team. Shut up. No, that's not the one that makes it over here. Let me tell you right now. Yeah, I mean, when it's I talk to Seamus. City, Man United, uh, West Ham. Uh, I Newcastle, wouldn't say West Ham. I wouldn't Ars say West Ham. Arsenal. Uh, those are the ones that we know. Okay. Chelsea. Chelsea. We know Chelsea. My anyway, team. Anyway, so we had landed on, on Wolverhampton and then uh, Brantford won. The, the the promotion yeah he was very stoked about that when he came on to talk about moneyball yeah um so i think we're gonna we're gonna buy a, a scarf is that what they call it is that what they call the scarves or does it have like its own special name yes uh there's a there's a name 
that I can't remember now. It starts with a J. A jolly? No, that's something no. else, isn't it? Um, I think it starts with a J. But it's like the term of like the scarf you hang on the wall, right? Like Yeah. We'll get one of those and we'll, we'll put it here with Darth. And then and then I need a deck of cards. Uh I've noticed Wolverhampton had a deck of cards as well as Tottenham Hotspurs. Uh Hotspur. United. Sing, single Hotspur. Single hot one one hot One Hotspur. Yeah. <laughs> Coys, come on, you Spurs. Anyway, <laughs> all of this to say, we've been reading a lot of books this year, Ethan, and I just found. Wait, a so, book. what is my project? <laughs> you need to read a good, key, a good keen man by Barry Crump, which is about uh, the New Zealand backcountry and a young man's introduction to the art of deer culling. Uh, but it's been around forever. It is about becoming a good bushman. A, a good keen man. A good keen man. It's All right, a, I'll put it on the Goodreads TBR. Well, I think I think I might just go into Amazon right now and order a pair of copies of it, unless it's that expensive, works. in which case I will not. But Barry Crump. Got a great cover. Not this cover. Cover I'm looking at with, with deer antlers. I mean, it's bad, but it's fun. No, no, no. Look at this one. It makes me change my mind a little bit. Look at this bad boy right here. Oh, that's not the one I was looking at. Yeah. I was looking at the one on Goodreads, which is this one. Oh, my God. Paperback, $596.02. Woohoo! <laughs> We're not reading Here a good keen man. <laughs> I wonder if you get an ebook. <laughs> it didn't even offer it. All right. Well, um, we're going to read. Call every used book so we could read Hunt for the Wilder People. That's what I was going to say. There, it's got a different name, doesn't it? I don't think so. Maybe. Is it called Wild Pork and Watercress? Because that's also by Barry Crump. Maybe. That might honestly be it. <laughs> yeah, that is it. Uh, the Kindle version, because it's $28.99 to buy it. Kindle version is not giving me a price. So. Okay, well, we'll figure it out. Instead, we're going to read Chaser by uh, Charity Pharrell. We're not going to do that. <laughs> um, I don't think I could read that book. I was kind of feel gross touching it. <laughs> I like your set design right now, Tyler. For those of you who are not watching, Tyler's got... A cool book and a trophy I gave him and some playing cards. Uh, blue bicycles. Blue bicycles. Blue bicycles. We play the blue bicycle. We play blue bicycles. In this blue house. bicycle playing cards. If people are curious, like, oh, I want to get into collecting playing cards. Uh, blue bicycles is the answer. I have a lot of other decks, but those are my, I think, still my all-time favorites. Which a is red good bike guy, man. I'm a red, red bicycle guy. You like red bikes? You like red I bikes do. right here? I do. Let me tell you something about the red bikes. They're red on the back. Yeah. That's the problem with them. I like them that for that reason. We got red bikes right here. Uh, I think I do too. They're in the drawer somewhere. Oh, right here. Yep. Red bicycle playing cards. There still you go. In, still in the package. Oh, see, so... Because I use very, my, I've been using my uh, Theory 11 Hudson cards. So people, uh, you know this about me, Ethan. I hyperfixate on things and then get super into a hobby and then forget about it entirely. Um, right now, it's it's playing cards. I've got a yeah. lot, a lot of decks. Uh, all from Blue Bicycles. That's where it comes from. Um, where are you going I, with I, this? I, I honestly, honestly, I don't know where I'm going with. Okay. This. I like I had a whole narrative and it's it's gone. So. That's I've been that. hyper This is a darker on... shade of magic by V. E. Schwab. There's a fan film being made right now by uh uh oh my goodness, Dancing Hermione, Kelsey. What's her last name? Anyway, in the book, there's a character with a glass eye. Kelsey has a glass eye, uh, which is a very cool, unique thing. I recently bought a book. Well, Kate bought a book by V. E. Schwab. E. Schwab writes very good fantasy. She has not read it, but it did uh it did have a cool cover that sold her on it. Yeah. It's called The uh The Impossible Life of Addie LaRue. Yeah, that's like the one. That's like it's new. The, it's new. It's a new one. I, from what I understand, that's like it's very you expensive get because Schwab, the new books are expensive. <laughs> I know, right? If you want to get into Schwab, that's a great one to start with. This one also extremely well written right here. Um, but it is the first of I want to say three books. Mm. What are you uh, reading right now? Like what am I reading right now? Like right. across the whole spectrum? Yeah, across the whole spectrum. 
I finished The Giver today, start and finish the whole thing. Nice. Um, Never read that. Uh, honestly, I have a paper, a mass market paperback copy. You should like, I, I was astonished how much of it I didn't read when we were assigned it in seventh grade. Very, very good. I believe very, it. Very, very good. Um, in addition to that, I'm still very slowly working my way through the, uh, Star Wars novelizations. I'm doing those like hard decision on me. Like you will read them on paper. So that's just a super slow read because Fair. Like, I have to be in the room where it is. I can't like pull up the ebook on my phone or my Kindle. Like, I have to be with the book. Um, so I'm on Attack of the Clones still. It's very good. Phantom Menace was an amazing book. Like the deleted scenes from that story. Yeah, I was going to say that one I believe makes a better book than a movie for sure. Oh my God. Uh, even even the novelization form because they could just like tell the story correctly. Yeah, it is phenomenal. I would believe that about all the prequels. Well, actually, honestly, probably all the Star Wars movies, but especially the prequels. Yes, I'm very curious to see how I feel about the original trilogy. I've read some of like the OT era legends stuff, not even a full book, but just like I'll pick up sort of stories from there. I feel like you're like, going to get to a new hope and be like, mm, that's not how that happened. Right. Oh, I definitely do. Because the way that novelizations were written prior to, I would imagine prior to Phantom Menace yeah. was they and this is the case for a lot of novelizations to this day but they would send a script to the author as opposed to the film to the author yeah and so there's like a lot of discrepancies but with star wars because the canon is so important uh, i believe starting with a new hope george had to sign off on on those yeah uh but it's just novelizations he did not sign off on any of the other stuff um that's what's so crazy about uh still to this day about about 2001 is the way that got book got made was it a novelization yes but it was a novelization before the movie was written weird it was like so so stanley kubrick commissioned arthur c clark a a sci-fi author to write him a book so he could make a movie on it huh i did not know that i do want to read that and and see that you should listen to the I mean, we can cover it. It probably probably a lot of people have seen it. I hate that movie. Do you really? It's so slow. It's so boring. It's like the 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 sci-fi movie, right? Especially for when it came out, because it was pre-moon landing. Yes. It's the sci-fi movie. Star Wars wouldn't exist without it. You know, nothing nothing I like in sci-fi, space travel movies, would exist without 2001. But it's so as a movie, it's so slow. It's just like, ugh. Why am I watching this? And then they're like, oh, the robot is mad. Oh, God. And then it's just boring again. The climax happens. It's like a three-hour movie. The climax happens an hour and 30 minutes in. Yeah, I don't know what to tell you. I've never seen it. But the book is sick. But it was very much like, yeah, Stanley Kubrick was like, Arthur C. Clarke, write me. And, and he does an intro telling you all this if you listen to the audiobook on Audible. It's like, Arthur C. Clarke, write me a book so I can make a movie out of it. But I'm going to tell you like what to make the story about, but you got to write it into a book. So like it wasn't, he wasn't sent a script. He wasn't sent a film. He was given like an outline and was like, here, write a book on my outline, but I'm going to approve it. You got to make changes when I say so. But he basically wanted it to be about a book, but there wasn't a book to base it on. That's wild. Yeah. Anyway, what I'm reading right now to answer your question, uh, Treasure Island classic yeah um i read that earlier this year oh did you yeah there's a there's a full cast version that i i don't like because it's abridged and there's uh um i listened to part of that and then picked it up later it's not a bri it's like dramatized to some extent yeah that's what i noticed i listened to like 20 minutes of it and I was yeah like, mm, about all this. but it just takes all the uh, he said she said out of it is really it yeah but i that's part of it I mean, that's like, fair yeah um i'm reading renegades by marissa meyer mastered apprentice by claudia gray um i just bought dune but i haven't started it yet um and then i just finished uh sea of monsters which is the second percy jackson book i'm, I'm slowly working through those uh, yeah, I finished Allegiant. I have not started on four yet. Um, because I don't have the audible credits and I'm trying to decide if I want to read it on paper. 
I'm reading a free book on Audible right now called We Sold Our Souls, uh, which is about a washed up metal musician. Cool. Uh, and it's absolutely insane. Really? Yeah, I was like, I was like, oh, okay, so she's mad that her bandmate, you know, went solo without her 20 years ago. Um, and then he starts to go on tour again. And then she like, and this is like 20 minutes into it. She like shows up at a different bandmate's house to like talk about, uh, you know, the fact that their, their old bandmate is going on tour or whatever. And then like that original bandmate sends UPS drivers to murder the guy. <gasps> Things just got wild. And yeah. I was, I was definitely watching or listening to it and I was like, whatever. Huh? Huh? Oh, hold on a second. I like ran it back. I was like, did I? Okay. I'm invested now. I want to know. I want to know what's going on. So it seems like it's going to be a very supernatural thing. I mean, obviously it's called We Sold Our Souls. This is a pretty common trope in music. So Ethan, let's, let's talk big board. Let's talk big. Oh, I'm also reading I, The Spy Who Came In From The Cold by John Le Carre, a classic sci-fi novel or spy novel. I've heard of this one. Yeah, it's good. You'd like it. I've heard that. I also. bought it for a dollar. Uh, so I have this. I, here's what I wanted to do, Ethan. If you go on eBay. You can buy like box of 20th yeah, century of paperbacks, books. 75 sci-fi fantasy books Yeah, for $25. 75 is so many books. What am right? I going to do with all that? So I keep thinking about it at my lake house in Vermont, which is like a shack. We have like a bookshelf that is literally like one of those boxes. It's just like awful paperbacks yeah. from God knows when that you pick up and you read while you sit in an Adirondack chair looking at Lake Champlain. And in that context, it makes perfect sense why you would have these at all. In my house, I don't know where I would put 75 ugly books. I love ugly books, but I also know nobody else does. Right. That was the thing is I went into a used bookstore and bought like $20 worth of $2 books. And I'm like, these are all just terrible paper. What am I going to do with these? Like, where will I display them? Right. Which the answer is I'm not. I'm probably just going to read them and then donate them. Right. Donate them again. Donate them again. Yeah. Give and them back to another good, used then, bookstore. Right. Then maybe it'll make the list. Uh, anyway, let's talk big board. Let's talk big board. So just to recap, uh, Ethan, you gave it a 92. I gave it an 85. Rotten Tomatoes critics gave it an 80. Metacritic gave it a 58. 58. Uh, the listeners gave it a 91 and Rotten Tomatoes audience gave it a 94. This is quite possibly the highest rated or at least most highly rated. It had the most number of hundreds of anything we reviewed so far under the new system. Based on like, like, a general memory, right? We we don't know that for certain. We don't. Oh uh, yeah, I mean that. just just on a vibe check, yeah. Right. Uh, which all of those tallied up brings this movie to an eighty-seven total. Now, this is my first time looking at the big board since uh, coming back from paternity leave. An eighty-seven total puts it at number eight overall, edging out Groundhog Day, which has an eighty-six. Nice. Below Lord of the Rings: The Fellowship of the Ring, which honestly that feels about right to me. Fair. Yeah, I could live with that. James and I really bolstered that uh, Tombstone score, I'll tell you that much. Oh my god, that's a lot of points for Tombstone. Well, we both gave it hundreds. Did you really? Yeah. I might have to watch Tombstone again. You should. It's a really good movie. Uh, he gave it 100 because he loves it that much. I gave it 100 uh, in memory of my mother. Ah. Of whom it was one of her favorites of all time. It was one of like the last movies we ever watched together. Oh my gosh. So, I did that. I probably probably wouldn't give it up. I mean, it, I would give it at least a 94, so I wasn't like far off. Right. Right. But, you know, would it's like one of those things, like, would I burn one of my hundreds on Tombstone? Probably not. Just but, doesn't but, feel like it. But, I mean, you also, like, I think it's okay to be human and give something 100 because of a human memory. No, I absolutely, I, I did not apologize yeah. for doing that. It's just like, yeah. I'm just thinking about it myself because I didn't even consider my own, like, score there ever at any point. Right. I never thought about what I was going to do. I was like, I never thought about what I'm going to give it. I was like, this is 100. 
I'll do the same thing if we ever cover like Lawrence of Arabia or The Longest Day or sound like movies I'm not going to like. Yeah, they you are. Know what's so weird is I really like books from the 20th century. I just cannot convince myself to watch movies. Yeah, I mean, Lawrence of Arabia slaps. It's beautiful. It's some of the best cinematography ever. It's a great story. It is three and a half hours long and it doesn't exactly race through those three and a half hours. But like, like it was my short, dad's favorite movie ever. I don't think he ever watched it in one sitting in his like, entire life. But think about this, like a short book is like a six hour audiobook. Mm-hmm. I still do that. It's because you can do other stuff, right? And you can speed it up. Yes. But oh, if I couldn't, still. if we had to do the whole book challenge on paper, I'd be in dead last. Yeah, I, I would not be doing well at all. The only reason I'm winning is because like I not winning. The only reason I'm, I'm in second is because I can sit there and play video games and listen to audiobooks at the same time. Even if I could do that, I think you'd be beating me. I have such little video game time. Well, that's the thing is like the, the I can be playing video games, watching the dishes, watching clothes. Uh, editing photos and stuff and like doing all kinds of driving doing all kinds of things that like would win over reading yes yes if i if i have the choice between video games i, I run into this problem a lot with with audiobooks even if i have the choice between tiktok and audiobooks i usually pick tiktok um yeah i don't i play video games that listen to audiobooks <laughs> Well, I don't. Okay. So, but like if I'm in a waiting room or something and I have my headphones, it's usually TikTok over an audiobook. I think it's because TikTok is so put downable. Yeah. If I don't have anything else to be doing, then I'll get, I'll go on TikTok. Yeah. But this is, this is a whole hash brown we could do some other time. Yeah. So what we've noticed about our reading habits. Uh, we're going to need to bounce this episode out. Uh, that's what I've got. Thank you guys so much for hanging out with Bacon and Eggs and like continuing to be a fan of this show as uh, I took like five weeks off. I know you were here for Ethan the whole time anyway, but I missed you. And if you missed me, then I missed that, you. That makes us lovers. Lover. Nope. Our graphics are by Vaishon Brandon. Graphite now. VMP <laughs> on Instagram. Our music by Andrew Scott Bell. Andrew Scott Bell music.com. Bacon and Eggs is a proud production of the WBE Podcast Network. For more great podcasts like this, go to WBNE.org to find any of them, or they are all available wherever podcasts are sold. That's Curly Critics. That's uh, Late to the Party. That's uh, that's what I'm talking about. That's Sincerely Us. That's Perspective Z. And that's is that all of them. That's all of them. That's all of them. Yes. RIP Hello from Elsewhere. Miss you greatly. And bagels. We, we've said goodbye to bagels. <laughs> More than once. I got a DM recently. Somebody listening to bagels for the first time. Good to know. It's still <laughs> oh, poor them. I love bagels. I know, Yeah, but like it's over. It's over. <laughs> like... You're like, oh, I love this new podcast. I just, nope. Nope, it's gone. No more new episodes. It's gone. I wish I could say like, oh, we sit down sometimes and we'll throw one out there. We don't. We don't have time. Um, No, I'll say that next week. Never mind. Uh, Check out this awesome WBNE show. Dear listener, today's going to be a good day and here's why. Because today we have found your new favorite podcast. Do you like all things musical theater? Or do you just like Hamilton? Then Sincerely Us is perfect for you. We take deep dives into modern musicals and teach you all that you need to know. From props and sets to playwrights and composers. We will get you caught up on all things Broadway. We are Becca and Eni, two best friends. Here to teach you all about the shows that we love. Sincerely Us, a podcast for the casual musical theater fan. Join us every Wednesday wherever you get your podcasts and on WBNE.org. Oh, so funny or not funny. Kind of serious or not. Kind of serious. Kind of serious, huh? Kind of serious, guys. Anyway, uh, on behalf of Tyler Carlin. No, I don't have to say that anymore. He's back. The man himself is back. Uh, on behalf of Big and XWBE, I've been Ethan Edgehill. He's Tyler Carlin. And until next time, Arriva Derchi. A Jew.